Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the second Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live. Today is October 22nd, 2017. This will be Monday's episode of Locked On Magic as well, so I'm recording it. You'll be able to, uh, to hear the show on your podcast. Uh, as everyone is telling me right now, everyone is still excited after last night's crazy win um, if you're interacting with me on Facebook, you can, of course, leave a comment uh, as, as, as well as everything else. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD as well as at OmagicDaily. And, of course, the Locked on Magic podcast is on iTunes. If you have not subscribed to it already, you get kind of daily stuff like the daily audio stuff like this uh, on your podcast feed automatically. I'm wearing my Florida Firefrogs hat. Go Firefrogs. Um, as well as my USA Basketball shirt here on the Facebook Live, you get to see me a little bit. You get to see my face. I, I don't, I don't, I don't publicize my face too much. But whether you're listening on Facebook Live or on the podcast, on today's show, I'm going to talk about this weekend's games: Brooklyn Nets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Two very, very different games that say a lot about the Orlando Magic. Uh, and then I'm going to draw that out into kind of some early impressions that I have about the Orlando Magic. Be sure to share your early impressions over in the comments if you're watching live on Facebook. Ask me any questions. I want to interact with you. I want to hear what your thoughts and concerns are about the Magic, and so we'll get to that as the show goes on. But let's start with the weekend games. Two very different games for the Orlando Magic this this weekend. As the Magic go to Brooklyn, Nikola Vucevic plays out of his mind, makes six three-pointers, scores 41 points, and the Magic lay an egg. Difficult loss, a disappointing loss. I know I said on the podcast that that's the kind of game that the Magic have to win. If they really have taken a step forward... Those are the games the Magic have to win. They have to find a way to win those games. And really, Orlando kind of did in some ways, or they kept themselves in it. But to me, that game was all about the mistakes the Magic made. As I said on on Friday's podcast, Brooklyn is the kind of team that puts a lot of pressure on teams that that aren't sure of themselves defensively. And as, as I've noted throughout the preseason and throughout the early season, there's definitely a little bit that's shaky about the Magic's defense. If I had to say anything... The Magic's offense is well ahead of the defense. I was, uh, even though the defensive numbers in preseason looked really, really good, I was very concerned about the Magic's defense. They they gave up a lot of open threes. They they really struggled with with dribble penetration, uh, and, and that came to to pass a little bit against Brooklyn, a team that just goes, 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 goes. They just went after, went after uh, uh, players and went after. They just go after defenses that just aren't ready to handle them. Um, granted, Brooklyn is a bad team. Um, you know, no offense to Brooklyn Nets fans. They deserve that win. They won that game. But Brooklyn just, they they were shaky too. They turned the ball over a lot. That was a game with the way the Magic were playing defense. Brooklyn should have won easily. That's how, that's, that's how bad the Magic's defense was on Friday night. Um, but Orlando kept in it. Uh, give them credit for that. They didn't play a great game. They still gave themselves a chance to win. It came down to Evan Fournier missing a three-pointer with about two seconds left. That ended the game officially for the Magic. They had to rally from, I think, five down with two minutes left to even get to that point. 
um, really gave themselves a chance to win the game, just couldn't execute at the end, specifically on the defensive end. Uh, and that's been a huge point of concern for the Magic throughout the preseason, as I've said. Um, the team wants to be a better defensive team, and, and they just didn't have... Not helping Orlando at all were the injuries. Uh, Aaron Gordon missed Friday's game with a sore ankle. He also missed Saturday's game, but it looks like he, with, with some rest and some some um, rehab and some treatment, should be good to go sometime this week. I don't think he'll be out very long. And then Alfred Payton left Friday's game with a sore hamstring. It's actually been labeled a strain hamstring. He could be out an extended period of time. I'll talk a little bit more about that probably on tomorrow's show as we get more information from the Magic now that they're back in town for a little bit. Uh, But um, two big losses for the Magic. So I think the question was, after they lose a game like that game against Brooklyn, how do they respond? And they responded really, really well. As I'm sure everyone's excited. Everyone's forgotten about that Brooklyn game. Who cares about Brooklyn? We'll remember that Brooklyn game as Nikola Vucevic scoring 41 points and looking like a god almost on, on the offensive end, both in the post and from beyond the arc. But the Cleveland game, a, a dominant, dominant game for the Magic, a 114-93 win in which the Magic led the entire way and by as much as 37 points against the defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron James. It was a dominant, dominant performance. Another strong effort from Nikola Vucevic. Honestly, his 23 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists on Saturday were just as impressive as 41 points on Friday. Another solid game for him. Evan Fournier, 13 points. Jonathan Simmons, 19 points off the bench. DJ Augustin, 12 points, 10 assists. Mario Azonia, back from the dead, 4 for 5, 3 for 3 from beyond the arc, 11 points, 6 rebounds for Hizonia. Um, This was a game where the, Ma- I mean, the Magic made 17 of 35 three-pointers. Uh, they had a team a franchise record tying eight three-pointers in the first quarter. They were just moving the ball really, really well. And you could tell there was this intense focus about them. They were not happy with how they played Friday. They were really, really upset with how they played Friday. And so they did everything they could to make up for it. And and, and that's what you want to see from a team. How do you respond from your disappointments? It's, it's a, you want to build off your successes, which the Magic didn't do Friday night. But how do you respond from your, from your disappointments and your frustrations? And if this is how the Magic respond when they're frustrated, things are going to be very good for this team, or, or things will be better for this team. Um, I think that with Orlando, um, with Orlando, the, the the big thing to remember is that they've still got a lot of work to do. Cleveland was a really good matchup, I think, for them in some ways. Uh, the Magic starting DJ Augustin could hide him a little bit defensively on a Jose Calderon who isn't going to do very much off the dribble. Um, they were able to really compact the paint, and, and early on, I think the Magic laid the hammer down. This was a game where uh, where the Magic just kind of kind of put the foot on the pedal early and dominated the rest rest of the game. I think Orlando hitting all those three pointers early put Cleveland on their heels a little bit. Uh, Cleveland had plenty of open looks that they didn't hit early on that could have turned this into a little bit of a track meet. But once the Magic got some confidence, the mag the Magic just kept on rolling and. And I think what, it, what was a really good sign was in the third quarter, the Cavaliers cut the lead down to seven. And it was like, uh-oh, here come the Cavs. You know, the lead was nice. Things have cooled off. They've started relying too much on the three-pointer. They're not getting the paint. LeBron's going to be LeBron. Always has a chance when he's in the game. Uh, and then the Magic just burned off a 31-9 to run like it was no big deal. They started hitting shots again. They started getting the paint again. And, and they really just refocused on themselves 
and got the big win. Um, it, this was just a, a beautiful performance from the Magic, one of the best overall top-to-bottom performances we've seen from the Magic, probably since the Scott Skiles year, if not maybe even before, maybe in, in a long time. I mean, I remember that they had some games early on in the Jacques Vaughn era, uh, that is, especially with Jameer and JJ there that and Glenn Davis, that they, they looked this dominant and, and really beat up a team this bad. Um, as I, I was talking with some Cavs fans last night after the game, um, you know, they were trying to downplay things or something. There's they're, they're involving me in some arguments about, about, um, how Cleveland looks and what this means for Cleveland. And, and, you know, having gone through some of these 30 point losses last year, um, I would, I would say that a 30 point win or 30 point game means more to the team that loses by 30 points because, I mean, obviously the Cavs only lost by 21, but the starters came out when they were down by, you know, roughly 30 points, but these kinds of games probably mean more about the team that loses more than the team that wins. Um, the Magic played a great game. They put the hammer down. They, they didn't allow Cleveland to get up. When Cleveland got back, when, the Cle- when Cleveland looked like they were about to get themselves back into the game, the Magic just shut the door, which, which is something we haven't seen from Orlando. And, and I think even DJ Augustin told the Orlando Sentinel after the game that this is probably a game we lose last year. Uh, and, and that's twice now that I think the Magic have won games that they probably would have lost last year. So it, it does say something about the Magic. But, you know, the coaches say this all the time. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Uh, you, you, the season is long. There's going to be game. There's going to be a lot of different types of games over the course of the year. So you can't, you can't get too up about a big win over the Cavs. Because like I said, I, I think these 30-point losses mean more about the team that loses. I'm just... I gave this example to the Cavs fans. When the Magic lost games by 30 points, especially early in the year last year, to me, that said a lot more about the Magic and some of the fatal flaws that they have more than the teams that they were playing. This Cleveland team, like I said, they don't really have a point guard right now. With Derrick Rose out with a sprained ankle, and of course Isaiah Thomas out as well, um, they, they, Cleveland just didn't have a consistent creator. They didn't have a guy that they could just kind of hand the ball off to and let him go and create for others outside of LeBron. And, and LeBron did that to some extent, but he didn't create for others. Magic actually, I thought, did a really good job um, doubling down on him a little bit um, and, and how they doubled on him and letting him score. I mean, he, he abused Mario Azzoni in the post a little bit. He abused Jonathan Isaac a little bit, or out veteran Jonathan Isaac, uh, I would say more. He beat up Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross a little bit, but he didn't get the passing game going. He, they didn't get the ball whipping around the perimeter. The Magic were much better passing-wise and so Cleveland was kind of stuck in isolation play, which is, I think, how you beat them. Um, the, the unfortunate problem for Cleveland is, without a true point guard, the Magic were able to hide D.J. Augustine defensively. Augustine was able to get himself going and get into the paint and create a lot of that that that, that chaos that the Magic wanted, where, where you kind of rip teams apart and play with that, that pace that the Magic want as well. Um, and so the Magic were able to get stops and get out in transition and able to create the mismatches they want and feed the ball to Vucevic in the post or hit him on the trail or run the pick and rolls. They, they just didn't... I mean, Kevin Love, I like the idea of Kevin Love playing at center, but against a center like Nikola Vucevic, uh, it was definitely a big struggle for him to, to keep up with the pick and roll. Um, he's just not a great pick and roll defender, especially with a bad pick and roll point guard in Jose Calderon. The Magic, or the Cavaliers, tried him on Shumpert, uh, and and it didn't, didn't really work. So, uh, a great effort by the Magic. I don't want to take anything away from them, but I do think it says a lot more about the Cavs. It was just kind of a perfect storm for Orlando. Um... I'll, I'm sure I'll repeat this again tomorrow on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Magic or on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Magic. Uh, the Magic 
will have to prove themselves again against Brooklyn. And I'm sure they'll come out very focused against Brooklyn after the way they played Friday night. Um, they have to build on this momentum. That is always the key. How do you build on this momentum? How do you build a winning streak? That's really the big key uh, because this team still hasn't won consecutive games. They're 2-1, and one, which is nice. And, and I think a lot of us feel like the way they played, they should be 3-0. and up. But the Magic now have responded well. They've responded to adversity well. Now they got to build on this momentum. Now they've got to be the dominant team, and that's something they have never done. That's something they've got to learn how to do. And so Tuesday will be the first opportunity to learn how to do that. Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you Geico has more than just great savings. Much more. Geico's been around for more than 75 years, back when they were using Morse code. Sorry, that's just my sense of humor. What's more, with Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents on the app, online, or over the phone, so you can talk to them at night or in the morning. So forevermore, just know that no other auto insurer has more more than Geico. More power to you. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Uh, let's uh, get to some of your comments. Uh, Donald L. Hampton, our good pal, writes, Vucevic is one of the most underrated players in the league. The idea that some felt Biombo could replace him is insane. Vucevic can be an NBA All-Star if team wins enough games. Um, that is definitely uh, something that, that we have to follow now. Um, Nikola Vucevic, you know, last year had a really bad year. There's no getting around it. Average, what, 14 points per game, 10 rebounds per game. Shot, shooting was down across the board. He wasn't hitting his mid-range jumper. I, he wasn't even getting into the post. And, you know, I... I, I, I Talked to uh, Vucevic mentioned this during media day that the Magic asked him to develop a three point shot to work on his three pointer and, and he didn't really show it at EuroBasket actually and I was a little concerned about Vucevic with EuroBasket because he didn't play he didn't play fantastic he didn't play like we all know he can play but what I did like about Vucevic what I do like is that Vucevic came back to the NBA and a style that probably fits him a little bit better. And not only did he say he, he, he was asked to develop his three-point shot, he wanted to get back into the post. And honestly, the three-point shot is great. Um, hitting 6 of 8 against the, the Nets was fantastic. That's how he got to 41 points. He's going to get big scoring games because he can hit that three now. What I really noticed with Vucevic, and this was true of the Brooklyn game and with the, the Cleveland game, he hit a three early on against the Cavs. He was one for three. I think he made his first one, missed his last two. But just making that three and changing the scouting report a little bit on the Magic is opening up so much for Orlando. Because then he gets into the post, then he gets more room on the roll because teams have to defend the the pop now out to three-point line. If he's shooting that elbow jumper, which he's really good at, teams will contest it, but they're not desperate to contest it. That's the shot they want to give up. And I think last year especially, he fell into that trap where, yes, I can hit this 20-foot jumper. Yes, I can hit this 18-foot jumper. But that's what the defense wants me to hit, wants me to shoot. And especially because last year, Vucevic shot poorly from there. He shot really, really well from there in 2016. In 2017, he was not as good. He was under 50% in 2016. Teams were willing to give that up to him. And as long as Vucevic was willing to defer to that, and certainly teams kind of packed the paint because there were no other shooters, they, they, they didn't have to worry about that. Vucevic being able to hit three-pointers and keeping defenses honest with that three-pointer. He doesn't have to hit six per game. He doesn't even have to take more than five, four per game. If he's taking two or three per game and hitting one or two, teams have to respect that. Honestly, the 41-point game that Vucevic had 
it's not more important than the win, but it's maybe a notch or two below it. Because now teams are going to watch that tape and say, oh, oh, Vucevic can do that now? That changes the way they have to defend him. And I think we saw that a little bit in Cleveland. He hit that first three, and all of a sudden, Kevin Love has to push up and, and guard, guard Vucevic, allowing Vucevic a free lane to go down the paint. You could see this effect very, very in very, very real ways. Honestly, you could see this effect even in the win Wednesday against the Miami Heat. The Heat made their comeback with Vucevic on the bench. No offense to Bismack Biombo here, but Bismack Biombo is not someone you have to worry about on the offensive end. It's just not someone you have to worry about on the offensive end. And so Whiteside, Hassan Whiteside, was able to just camp in the paint and deter everything at the rim. I mean, Magic were, were coming toward my end offensively in the second half, and I would watch DJ Augustin, and he would get into the paint, see Whiteside come over, and and you could literally just kind of see it in his face. He's like, nope, not doing that. And Augustin's had a fair amount of shots blocked already this year. So he would dribble out, and, and then the Miami Heat defense would be able to reset. But when Vucevic was in the game, when Vucevic was in the game, he popped out to the 18, 19 foot range and Whiteside had to go with him or Whiteside had to stay relatively close to him and he couldn't challenge shots as freely. That enabled, I mean, if you looked at my playbook post uh, from earlier in the week, that enabled Evan Fournier to, to get into the paint and force Whiteside to make a decision. Then once Whiteside made that decision, he could dish it off to Vucevic or try and finish over him. Finished over him twice, dish it off to Vucevic once, magic win the game. That is the power that Nikola Vucevic has. And now that he can shoot threes, I think you're right, Donald. If the Magic are in the playoff hunt come January, if they're if they're surprising everyone come January, Nikola Vucevic could very well be in line for an all-star game. Um, we saw that a few years ago. The record just wasn't there for Orlando. If the record is there this time for Orlando, Vucevic looks like an all-star right now. Um, and, and, and I would argue it's more about his post-game getting back in the Magic, finding him the post, and creating a lot of space for him because of their shooting and because of Vucevic's shooting, as much as it is about Vucevic developing, developing a three-point shot. So I think some really good things for him there. Um, Holly Taggart at, says, Hazonia really surprised me when he hit jump, jumpers and hit shots. Uh, Mario Hazonia, I think, is going to be very inconsistent. Obviously, with Aaron Gordon out, Hazonia is getting an opportunity. He's playing the backup four. Um, mixed bag for Mario. Um, I think that there's still a long way for him to go. Uh his, his handle's not tight. I, I don't think Vogel knows quite where to go with him defensively. Um, they tried him at the four. When Cleveland went big, it was a disaster for Hazonia. Not Mario's fault. Um, this, it, he's, until he proves he can defend the perimeter really well and play the three, playing him at the four carries both risk and reward. It helps spread the floor. I think if Hazonia starts hitting shots again, then he becomes a useful NBA player. Um, you know, I think uh, the internal debates that we have on the OMD staff, you know, we talk about Azonia a lot. Um, we do have some Azonia fans on, on our staff who want Azonia to do well. I want Azonia to do well. I like the kid. Um, but this is a this is a win or loss league. There, there is no in-between. You either help a team win or you don't. And for the last year, we've all been asking, what is Mario Hazonia's NBA skill? It was supposed to be a shooting. His shooting was supposed to be a never doubt. This is what he does. And he ha- he didn't do that last year, so it was tough to play him. So if Azonia's making shots, then he has an NBA skill. Then he has something that he can do every single day, uh, every single game. And um, 
I, I, I don't think we're there yet. Um, but he's getting an opportunity. He's making the most of his opportunity. I thought he did some he did some okay things against Brooklyn. I think he struggled a little bit in Brooklyn. Was better against Cleveland. Um, turnovers were down. Wasn't trying to do much do much more than be a spot up shooter, which for now I think is okay. Got got out in transition once or twice and made some nice plays. That's where I think he's really really good is in transition. That's where I really like to see him play. Uh, but overall. Mario Zonia still got some growth to do. There's no doubt about it. He's still got a long way to go, but he's getting an opportunity. He can't squander that opportunity. I think it was. I don't. I don't think it would have been right to give up on him after one game. Played really, really well. We'll see what he does with his next chance um, as well. Uh, Grant Bradley. At, I hope jokingly asked trade Alfred. Uh, no, I don't think we're there yet. Um, DJ Augustin had a fantastic game Saturday. Let's let's get that out of the way. Um, you know, there's, there's still, I think, an internal debate over who should be the backup point guard. I think that's still a bite your thing. DJ Augustin won in preseason. You're not going to change that decision after one game. But DJ Augustin is someone you have to hide on defense. Um, I, I don't think we can get around this. And, and because of his size, it's a little bit tougher to do that. Um, are you going to put him on Alan Crabb on Tuesday? Who are you going to have guard D'Angelo Russell? Because Augustin guarding D'Angelo Russell, um, Augustin guarding uh, any any player um, in the in the uh, um, any player in the on the Nets or any player that can really get after it and get into the paint, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, Jose Calderon was a perfect matchup for him, both offense and defense. Augustin was able to beat him off the dribble, able to get him involved in pick and rolls. Um, I think the I think the Cavs ended up trying to hide Jose Calderon. I don't know where they could hide him on that Magic team. I think I remember seeing him guarding Isaac at one point um, because the, the Cavs just had to had to get someone to stop the dribble penetration. They couldn't find one. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold the boat there. I think Alfred Payton ultimately gets this team playing at the pace that they want. Yes, his jumper isn't as good as Augustin, but Payton is still the better player. Um, let's not take one game out of context here. Uh, Payton is still the better guy. He's still the point guard for this team, at least for this year. Augustin had a really, really nice game. I, there lo- there's a lot to like about what Augustin did Saturday. Um, you, you trust him uh, plenty to kind of hold that baseline down while Peyton's out. But at the end of the day, Augustin's defense is an issue. Um, and, and I don't think Saturday changed that. So I, I think that um, we can get past that. Uh, Patrick O'Neill asks, by end of the season, who do you think will be known as the Magic's best player? Oof. I'm still high on Aaron Gordon. Um, I think he'll be back soon. I think that we saw a, really, a lot of really nice things from him in the preseason. And even in the first regular season game, even though he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, I thought we saw some really nice things from him. He's playing very confidently. If he can get back um, and, and, and be um, and be, uh, be, uh, uh, be healthy and aggressive, um, I think Gordon is still the guy that's going to be the best player on the team. But Nikola Vucevic... Is playing really well on both ends. I think his defense is much improved. I think he's built off of what he did last year, where he probably had his best defensive year. He's not a game changer defensively yet, so you know I'm not. You know I I don't think all those big picture questions about Vucevic go away, but um, I, I think that Vucevic is definitely back in that running, and Vucevic has reestablished himself as as one of the key players on this team uh, through three games. Obviously, it's just three games, and and, and it's a long season. I think what's important to note about Orlando is that this is still a team that's going to be by committee. There's no one every night best player, no doubt. Terrence Ross is going to have a night. 
Evan Fournier is going to have a night. Nikola Vucevic is going to have a night. Aaron Gordon's going to have a night. Alfred Payton may have a night. It's going to take a lot of guys playing well for this Magic team to succeed. Uh, you know, take a, take a look. Honestly, if you look back at Friday's game against Brooklyn, the problem with that game was the defense. But aside from that, I think the bigger problem, especially in the first half, was that Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier were the only two guys scoring for Orlando. Those were the only two guys that the Magic could consistently rely on. And so, for offense, to, to, to dump the ball in for offense. And so, when they built their lead, it was like, yeah, that's nice, but what happens when the bench comes in? Lo and behold, when the bench came in, the Magic gave up their lead, and then the floodgates were open, and, and the team just couldn't defend. So it's going to take a lot of different things. I I, I I like the best player question, and I've gotten it a few times, and I've an, always answered it like, well, I think Aaron Gordon is the best player on the team, uh, or the best, you know, should be the best player on the team. But right now, absolutely, it's Nikola Vucevic, who it's going to be at the end of the season. I, I think it's going to be a lot of different guys. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, eventually tough to pick an all-star from this team. Uh, but I think that there are a lot of really good players. I think I think for the Magic to succeed, they need a lot of guys playing well, and it's going to be a different guy every night. It's going to kind of be by uh, by um, committee. Um, David uh, Weiss, 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 I don't know. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, David. Um, he asked, the depth this year, especially when we're healthy again, is going to be huge, I feel like. Um, the depth, honestly, uh, there, there are definitely some points this in the last three games where I was very concerned about the depth and, and thinking it, it's not as deep as we thought it was. Um, I remember beginning of the fourth quarter, the Magic were up, I think, 12 or 13 to start that fourth quarter. And I tweeted out, you know, this is the moment last year where we would get a little queasy about the, about the lead because the bench would come in. Um, I'm still, and, and that unfortunately proved to be correct, um, I think that the bench is still, it's still shaky. Even even though I know there's some depth issues right now, I, I'm not 100% sold on the bench. Um, I looked at some early numbers through two games. The Magic had the 25th best bench by net efficiency, according to hoopstats.com. Um, uh, last night, I'm sure it was a little bit better. The bench is going to go how Jonathan Simmons goes, essentially. Um, he's really the only clear-cut scorer off the bench. Um, Shelvin Mack has provided some nice scoring, and he's been he's actually been really good. I've been really happy with how Shelvin Mack has played, um, in addition to DJ Augustin as well. Uh, but um, I, I think that when it comes to it, the Magic have guys they can rely on, but I still want to see Vogel stagger rotations. I still want to see at least one starter out there with the bench unit. I like what he's done keeping Evan Fournier in for the entire first quarter, so Fournier plays with that early bench unit. But early second quarter, early fourth quarters, I'm still a little queasy. Even if it's Jonathan Isaac at this point. Put Jonathan Isaac in with that second unit a little bit, or put um, put Terrence Ross in with that second unit, um, even if it cuts into Aaron Aflalo's minutes a little bit. I, I get what he's trying to do early on here uh, with just trying to get a lot of players in, just kind of see what he has, and, and then he'll sharpen and, and fine-tune rotations as the, as the year goes on. But I think ultimately the Magic play a nine-man rotation. I think ultimately the Magic ensure that there's at least one starter in there with that group. And, and I think the depth is better, but it's going to be inconsistent. Um, I think Simmons is still figuring out his role and, and figuring out what he can do. Um, as, as many of you have commented here, um, as many of you have commented here, Simmons has looked really good. Uh, he's brought a different attitude to this team. Um, and I think that is very clear. Uh, he's still inconsistent in his role. I think he's still figuring out the parameters of his role and what he can do. Um, uh, but, uh, 
um, he's he's definitely gonna get there. I think. Um, you know, the 19 point performance last night was a great sign from him. Um, he when when he gets hot, he gets hot. He scores in bunches. Um, he scored 10, 11, 12 points in the other two games. So he's very capable of filling that role the Magic need. I kind of like him actually as the main ball handler with that second unit. I like to see them try that a little bit. Maybe, you know, when, when Peyton gets back, try Augustin off the ball with Simmons as kind of the main ball handler and creator. Um, I think he has that potential, but I think there's a lot of experimenting going on with the bench, and that might explain why they've struggled a little bit. There's a lot of guys getting into new roles, experimenting with some new things, with some new parts of their game. And so there's going to be some hiccups, but yeah, the bench I think is better than it was last year. I, I have a little bit more faith in it. I still want to see a starter with them as well. Um, so that that's definitely something. That's definitely something. Um, we're, we've gotten into some of my early takeaways from this season, uh, from the early from the first three games. It's obviously not a huge sample size, but I want to just talk the rest of the show um, about some of the other big takeaways that I have that I've had for the Magic so far this year. Um, I think one of the big takeaways for sure is uh, uh, the shooting. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about this after Saturday's game. I'm sure I may mention it a little bit more tomorrow on tomorrow's episode as well, or later on in the week as, as, as we see the numbers come in. But through three games, this Magic team is a really good three-point shooting team. Uh, I believe if, 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 my, if my memory is serving me correctly, they're 12th in the league in three-point attempts. So they're about league average in three-point attempts. But they are shooting an astounding 48% from beyond the arc. They hit 18 threes Friday, 17 on on uh, Saturday. They were 8 for 21, I think. 8 for eight for 21 sounds right. 8 for 21 in Wednesday's opener. So this team all of a sudden is a not afraid to take three-pointers, which is good. We want them to take three-pointers. That's part of modernizing their game. Certainly you want certain guys taking less three-pointers. Uh, I'd like to see Alfred Payton not take three, as many three-pointers or... And he's been good about it this year, too. Um, Aaron Gordon, I think, falls in love with his three-pointer a little bit too much. But he can hit them. I'm a little more confident with him hitting them now this year. Um, although, obviously, he hasn't. he's played only one game, so we haven't really seen that. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is certainly happy to take three-pointers as long as he's getting his post-touches. I don't mind. Terrence Ross's shot selection could, could be a little bit better. Um, Jonathan Simmons sometimes falls in love with his three-pointer. Uh, but... Um, overall, you can't be upset with the Magic taking three-pointers right now. I mean, as as everyone notes, and I'll note this too, the Magic are not going to shoot 48% from beyond the arc. They're going to have some bad three-point shooting games, and so they've got to figure some things out to, to supplement that, make sure they get in the paint, make sure they don't fall in love with the three-pointer. But this team, you know, a team that doesn't have very many shooters or, or reportedly doesn't have very many shooters, is shooting the ball extraordinarily well. And it's a big reason why their offense is playing so well. Obviously, you get more points, that's good for your offense. Um, but because it's so efficient, because their, their shooting has been so efficient, this team is playing some really good basketball. Um, I, there's no getting around it. The Magic are making three-pointers and, and putting their, their, their opponents in a bind from beyond the arc. So I, I think that the Magic are in good shape on that front. Um, I, I think that that's something that is going to stick around. Obviously, I think they'll come back down to earth, you know, like like some of you suggesting maybe shooting 38%, but that would be really, really good. Um, considering where this team was and what we expected from this team, to see the team shooting three-pointers like this has been a humongous surprise. Vucevic's health. Fournier has looked, Evan Fournier has looked really focused on that. I think Terrence Ross will see his three-point percentage bump up. Uh, you know, there's going to be something that drags it down, of course, um, but... 
the Magic are all of a sudden a very, uh, not a very dangerous, but a dangerous three-point shooting team, and that's something to look at to continue. Another thing that I've been really intrigued by, I've been trying to keep an eye on it, is the Magic's free throw shooting. The Magic against the Heat went to the line a significant amount. It was like 30-something times. It was a big reason why they won that game. That's good. That means you're attacking. That means you're drawing fouls. Friday night, I think in the loss, the Magic shot 12. Not good. Not good. You need more. Saturday, the Magic shot 20 free throws, made 17. So the last five years, the Magic have been toward the bottom of the league in free throw rate. Essentially, how many free throw attempts per field goal attempts you get. This year, I haven't checked where they are numbers-wise, but I'm certain that it's much better. I mean, last year, I think they hovered around 25% free throw rate. This year, I am almost certain it's off to a much better start. Why is this important? Why is it important that the Magic get to the foul line? Just like the three-pointers are part of modernizing the game, getting into the paint, getting getting toward the basket, getting close to the basket, drawing fouls, is a big part of modernizing the game, too. There are three types of shots that the analytics people say you should take. Layups because they're the highest percentage shot. Three-pointers, you get the extra point. And free throws. Free throws essentially give you a better than, for most players, better than a 50-50 shot of making them, usually up around 60-70% chance of making them. And so if you do the math on that, it's what? Essentially, if you're a 70% free throw shooter, you've got a... I never can do this math right, but you've got a pretty good chance of making both free throws. Let's let's put it. more often than not, you're going to make more both free throws. And they always say a point per possession is a good is good. If you're scoring every other time down the floor, you're doing a good job. Um, so if you're going to the free throw line, you're making 70% of your free throws. Odds are you're going to get one point per possession, plus you get the added benefit of a foul. So analytically, free throws are also very, very good. And so and that's been something the magic just have not been able to take advantage of. For the last five years, they just haven't had guys who draw contact. So with the Magic trying to get out in transition, with the Magic trying to push the tempo, push the pace a little bit, force some things a little bit, that brings them the opportunity to get to the foul line. That's something that they haven't been able to do the last few years. And so through the first three games, that's been something I've kept an eye on and something I've been impressed with. The Magic kind of dictating the tempo a little bit more, they've been able to get to the foul line. And that gets them in better position to score in a better position to uh, to win basketball games, essentially. So uh, definitely something to watch out for there uh, is the free throw shooting, something to keep an eye on as the Magic continue to develop this season. Um, the other thing I've noticed, I, I talked a lot about Nikola Vucevic off the top, but him getting back in the post has been a big, big deal. Um, the Magic, uh, you know, obviously there's some intangibles that, that are certainly noticeable. Um, I, I, as I wrote after Wednesday's game, I loved the way that the Magic responded to adversity there. They gave up a big lead, as Evan Fournier said after that game. That was not a game we would have won last year. Um, I think that um, we saw the same thing Saturday. They took a, a disheartening and disappointing loss on on Friday and turned it into they turned it into anger. I mean, I, I think they were angry about that and they played like they cared. Um, not that they, they, I hate, I hate saying that, but, but there were, there were games, there were probably points last year where they would have let a disappointing loss like that beat them twice, especially going into Cleveland. They would have said, oh, here we, here we are again. Here we go again. You know, we lost this game. We should have won. Now we got to play Cleveland. And, 
And then, and you lose that game already. You, you've lost that game, if, if you're thinking that. And so I think the Magic did a really good job focusing on themselves and responding. And, and I think the fact that they've responded to some adversity, the fact that they've responded to these uh, big, big to these to these setbacks, big or small, um, and and went after it. That's a good thing for the Magic. That is a really good sign for their intangibles and that they are taking the necessary steps forward that they need to as a team. Of course, the next test, the test that they failed Friday, is building momentum. You know, maybe they got a little too happy about their win on Wednesday, came in Friday expecting a win over the over the Nets and, and got pleasant and got unpleasantly surprised. They responded well to that. Now, how do they respond Tuesday playing the Nets again? So I, it's honestly, I think, a blessing that they're playing the Nets so close together. Now that they have to, now that they now they have to uh, uh, respond to that. Um, I see Reed Johnson left a comment about team chemistry. Uh, I think that's also something to notice. I think that there is definitely a better chemistry about this team early on this season than there was last year. Um, I, I think that um, I think that the the, the Magic um, are uh, are. You know, playing for each other a lot more. There, there, there is there is a lot of uh, um, uh, 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 motivation to play better right now. There's a lot more um, feeling that that we've got to come together. We've got to make this work because it didn't work last year and, and disappointment in last year. But the, I think their approach is better. But I think just generally, the, the guys are on the same page a lot more than they were at any point last year. Um, last year, there's definitely the weight of expectation hanging over this team. Uh, and and they were still trying to figure things out as the pre as the regular season began, and and it just never felt this upbeat as it does now. It's just kind of a, oh, this is what we have to do, you know, this is, you know, you know, we've got to be better, we've got to be better, and, and and it didn't feel like there was a lot of accountability. I think this year there's definitely a different emotion and a different style about this team, and we're seeing it play out on the court early on. Um, as, as some of you pointed out, the veterans have been have been good for this team. Um, you know, obviously the young guys are still kind of leading it, uh, but the veterans have been very, very good uh, for this team. And, and I think my last takeaway that I want to say from these first three games is about Jonathan Isaac. I, I know a lot of people want to compare him to the other rookies, um, but keep him in his own bubble, focus on him, and look at the positives that he's done. Um, I think Isaac, thrown into the fire for his first two starts, he's taken some bad rookie calls, he's picked up too many fouls, um, but he's aggressive. He's holding his own. He doesn't look. He looks like he belongs out there, defensively especially. Offensively, he's letting things come to him. He's not forcing things. I don't think the Magic are running many plays for him yet, which is fine. I, I think that's something that can come in time. When he's gotten shots, he's taken them confidently. He's made a few. Um, he's been active on the glass. The thing we all know about him, he needs to add some strength. He's still getting pushed around a little bit in there um, on, on both ends. But he's making the right reads defensively. I think he's played some really smart defense. Um, the fouls have been unfortunate. I, I think some of them have been just bad, have, have been frankly bad calls that he w- won't get called for very, very soon. Um, but he's got to establish himself. And I think, you know, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting him to have to start this early. Obviously, it, the Aaron Gordon injury kind of throws things for a loop. Uh, but they're managing him well. They're letting him play within himself, and he has done well for the Magic so far. I think he's done exactly what they've asked him to do, and I think slowly but surely his role will grow. The Magic are still going to manage him very carefully and bring him along slowly. Just He's starting now. So those are my big takeaways from the first three games. Um, I think we hit him kind of variously throughout the comments and questions. Um, Leslie Stoves, I want to answer your question. What have you heard 
on the injuries to EP and AG. The latest I've heard uh, comes from Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel. Um, Aaron Gordon is not expected to be out long. I think um, they wanted to just, when, when he had the ankle discomfort, they wanted to rest him, treat him, see how he felt. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be back Tuesday. We'll get an update on that mon- uh, after Monday's practice um, and certainly before Tuesday's game. I don't know if he'll be back Tuesday, but I suspect that he will be back sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, Maybe Friday, maybe they give him Tuesday to continue to rest that ankle, and then he'll be back Friday. Um, maybe he'll be back before the road tri- uh, during the road trip. Um, I know they go to Charlotte on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, as far as Alfred Payton, Alfred Payton, it, it's, it appears he has a mild hamstring, hamstring strain, strained hamstring. Um, that looks like it's something that's going to take a little bit longer. I wouldn't expect Alfred Payton back anytime soon. Um, certainly not this week. I suspect that he'll miss the next two games at the very least. Um, it's just, it, it's some, it, according to Josh Robbins, I'm going to write about this after I'm done here for, for Orlando Magic Daily. So, um, if you, if you don't get the Orlando Sentinel, um, I'll, I'll, I'll provide you the details there and what, what it means in a bit. But, um, essentially, uh, Peyton said he felt, he felt tightness already before he played Friday's game. Uh, and then it just locked up on him Friday, and, and they had to shut him down, and, and he couldn't go. Um, so I think rest, right now, it's early in the season, so I think rest and caution is the right way to go. This is where the new schedule with, with all the, the days off in between are going to be come really in handy, I think, to help him out. I mean, the Magic play only two, game, two games next week, and then they play again Sunday on a road trip. Uh, so he's going to have some time to recover and get better, and so I think that's generally a good thing for the Magic and a good thing for... Uh, for Peyton, but it, I, I think it's going to be a while for Peyton. I, I don't anticipate he'll play this week. I'm not. I, I don't want to play amateur doctor, um, but definitely want to be careful and cautious with him, especially with the pace the Magic are trying to play and the pace that Peyton plays at. Peyton plays at an incredible pace. I mean, I think, I think it was 120 possession. I think his pace um, on in Friday's game or the pace when he was on the floor was like 120, which is insane. Um, the Nets played a fast pace too, so definitely want to be careful with Peyton and and see where he goes. Um, if there is nothing else, um, I think that's going to do it for me today uh, for the Facebook Live. Again, I'm going to try this out, try and do this every Sunday at noon leading up to, to the NFL. Get your NBA fix in before the NFL starts. Um, noon on Sunday just seems like a good time to do these things. So um, that's going to do it for me. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily as well as at R underscore OMD. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You probably are anyway. Um, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. That's Locked On Magic is the name of the podcast. We're up on iTunes as well as Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow the podcast as well as on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like the podcast separately at Locked On Magic. Um, you can also find stuff here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook page. If you haven't liked us already, be sure to do that. Thanks, everyone, for commenting on the Facebook Live. Continue the conversation on Twitter as well as on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I will see you all next time here on the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live and Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you. 
Rush into Old Navy today for 50% off all tees for the family. Today's the last day to get all tees for 50% off. Plus, redeem your super cash now to save even more at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Tees valid 1021 to 1022 excludes active licensed, men's packaged, and in-store clearance. Super cash valid 1021 to 1029.